All right, we're ready for the message tonight. Who's got their Bible, notepad? Erica does. Can I get a whoop whoop for Erica? Whoop whoop. Good job, Erica. So, Erica, what have I been preaching about lately? Last days. I bet you to it. Last days. Who remembers that? We've been talking about last days. Yeah, Larissa's all over it. Last days. I think I'm going to have a, a title for today. Ready or not, here I come. Can someone count down from five and then poke the person beside him and tell him that? Five, four, three, two, one. Ready or not, here I come. Who's heard of that before? Hide and seek. Classic game. Who wants to play right now? 30, 29. No, no, no. Say where you are. Say where you are. Three. And then there's that one. 10, 9, 8, 7, 5, 6, 1. Ready or not, here I come. It's like, that's the quickest 30 seconds. What is the, um, we'll, we'll do a, 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 a poll. We'll do a poll right now. Does anyone know what a poll is? Where it's like a, a, a like a test or a, a what? It's a questionnaire. A survey. We'll do a survey. What? When we're playing hide and seek, what is the best amount of numbers for a countdown? If it's 10 seconds, stand up. If it's 10 seconds. 20 seconds. All right, we've got one vote for 20 seconds. 30 seconds. Oh, 45 seconds. One minute. Ooh, these, that's a big, that's a mansion. You're playing in a mansion. So I think it's a 50-50 split. Minimum 30 seconds, maximum one minute. Man, that's a, you've got to be a good counter. 60, 59. So, uh, ready or not, here I come. If you're taking notes, that's what I want you to write down tonight. Ready or not, here I come. Now, just for the sake of having a bit of fun, we've got some memes coming up on the screen that we can look at for uh, hide and seek. All right. When adults agree to play hide and seek, but they don't even come looking for you. Oh, what? <laughs> Um, hide and seek be like the seeker, the hider. Uh, when you're playing hide and seek and you spot the seeker, ah, can I get out of here? Thanks, Chloe. Um, when you're playing hide and seek and the person who's it runs right past you, you're just like, hey, missed me. Um, found the perfect spot in hide and seek. Never had to pee so bad in my life. The pain is real, people. When you see your best friend while playing hide and seek and you're just like, oh, I see you and they see you having a sneaky little like connection. Next one, this is me in hide and seek, just hiding in the bush. When, you, when you're behind the door in hide and seek, uh, they can't spot me. Playing hide and seek, I like that one at the cat, eh? that's a classic one. It's like, oh, catch it. Um, when, you, <laughs> when your friend found you in hide and seek, got him. Uh, playing hide and seek, and you find the Christmas presents. Come on, somebody. Christmas is coming. That's a good one. Plays hide and seek, tells you outside is off limits. Where do they hide? Outside. They told me I couldn't find them. Burns This pyromaniac burns the house down. Found them. <laughs> uh, after you find the first person in hide and seek, now tell me where the others are. My Star Wars friends, hide and seek be like, you were supposed to hide from them, not join them. Thank you, everyone. Kenobi. Next one. Hide and seek champion of the world. Can anyone see where they are? Yeah, in the coat. That's a classically good one. The next one, playing hide and seek with a champion. That ain't a Coke bottle. That's a human. <laughs> uh, the, hot, the king of hide and seek, Spider-Man. That's pretty true there. I love him on the fan. 
Uh, next one here. Off of my Stephen Crowder, louder of Crowder fans. Bigfoot isn't fake. He's just a hide-and-seek champion. Changed my mind. Uh, and then I love these fails. I can't see you, so you can't see me. The girl in the box is just like, good job. And then the, the dog. I think that's a classic one as well. It's like the, the feet are hanging out. But who loves a good game of hide-and-seek? Uh, we just had some of those, those memes there just to recreate some of your childhood memories. And, but we've got to understand that Jesus it ultimately is playing the biggest hide-and-seek game with us imaginable. And so if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to look at the book of Luke chapter 16. Who wants to use mine and find Luke 16? They can, yeah, you can use that if you want. So we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 16. And so Jesus is talking. And does anyone know what the stories are that Jesus tells are called? A parable. So Jesus tells stories which are called parables. And so parables are really interesting because it's not just a, uh, it's not just like a, a fairy tale type story, but it's a story revealing things of the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells these stories in ways that it's not necessarily exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like, but it's ways for us to be able to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. So we're going to read this parable, uh, and it's called the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Everyone say, rich man? Rich man. Rich man. And Lazarus. And Lazarus. So Jesus tells this story of a rich man and another dude called Lazarus. So Luke 16, verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was uh, splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived in luxury, uh, lived each day in luxury. Can everyone say dripping? This guy was dripping. Sorry. So uh, purple was a purple cloth, like purple clothing was a sign of the most best clothing you could wear. You think of that dream outfit in your head? This dude was wearing it every single day. Verse 20, at the gate, at his gate, so at your driveway, so you're living, if you're the rich man, you're living your best life dripping every single day and then at your driveway at your house lay a poor man named Lazarus so you bring your friends over to your house yo Bill who's that dude laying on your driveway that's just Lazarus yo yo Daniel who's the who's this dude laying on your driveway oh that's just Lazarus so Lazarus is laying at the rich dude's driveway and then uh, covered with sores. So you just now, you imagine the most ugliest rank looking sore you can think of. This dude is covered in cuts and oozy rashes. This guy's covered in the most disgust. He's living on your driveway with sores all over him. Verse 21. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table. So you know when you go put your, your, your rubbish bin, like you get your... You left those from dinner, chuck it in the rubbish bin. Lazarus just licking his lips, gone. Mmm. Oh, I could, I could just eat some of those leftovers. And then the dogs would come and lick his open sores. So now that is a picture. You've just brought your friend over. Your friend just met Lazarus with his oozing sores, and then your pet dog, uh, uh, your pet dog Spot, just comes and has a bit of a lick, lick, lick. What is going on here? This is a ridiculous story. So then verse 22, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham 
at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. And when he went to the place of the dead, there is torment. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. But Abraham said to him, oh, sorry, I've missed the whole verse. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip uh, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Has anyone ever done that before? I've never, I've never desired a drip of water from someone's finger. But this rich man desired that. So the rich man, uh, then verse 25 now, but Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are uh, in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. The rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them, your brothers can read what they wrote. Bell, can I, oh, sorry, the rest I meant to say. Can I see this? The guy is saying, Abraham was warning the rich man. This book, the Bible, the warning is in this book. This is where the warning's in. That's what he just said. That book warns us. The Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read the Bible. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is to send them from is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Wow. If they won't listen to the Bible, they won't listen to someone who's raised from the dead. Can we all pray right now? Why don't you just close your eyes one more time and we're just going to pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it's alive right now in this moment to speak to us to, so we can hear what we need to hear. That we can live a life on purpose, with, with, with passion, with, with, with a fire that's uneasily quenched, to be able to see Port Lincoln changed, to see the Air Peninsula changed to see Australia be better, to see this planet better because we're living in the destiny that you've called us to live in. And so we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're talking to us, speaking to us, and equipping us to be the best humans possible. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen. What a crazy story. Has anyone heard that parable before? Has anyone heard this story from Jesus before? So we see an unnamed man who is rich, and then we see Lazarus, a poor dude with sores. And a dog licking him, right? See these characters, but it's it's not just a great tale. It's a it has great significance. We've got to understand there's great significance in this parable that Jesus says. Jesus didn't just tell this story because he thought story time with Jesus. He had truth that he wanted us to get a hold of to understand. Proverbs twenty two verse two says that um, the rich and poor both have this in common: they die. Right? You've got to understand that. So you might have the richest of rich. You might live in the biggest mansion. And you might be the poorest of the poor having dogs licking you. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in. The one equalizer is you both die. If you didn't realize this, you're one day closer to dying. That's the one guarantee in life. Unless we're part of the rapture, we will die. Like, that's a part of life. It, it, yeah, it doesn't matter what job you have. doesn't matter what school you went to. 
what family you have, the guarantee is you will die. And so Jesus tells this story that, that he's trying to explain to us that the, this body that you live in, you've got a body, but that's not you. Your body isn't your real identity. You're actually a spiritual being in a physical body. Does that make sense? I'm gonna make, I've got some nods. You're, you're actually not just a human physical body. That, that's a part of you. But you're, the real you is a spirit being so that when your physical body dies, your spiritual body lives on. And Jesus is telling us that, that, uh, telling us that through this parable, that you, you're alive right now in a physical body. When that physical body perishes, your spiritual body lives on. Which is where we, we gotta, and we've got to get a hold of this in our lives. And so both men die, but both men live on. So when you die, you will live on. And so what we find is, though, Lazarus finds himself in heaven, living the best life. And then we find the rich man finds himself in hell in horrible torture, going, what am I doing in here? So, we, so when they die, one ended up in heaven and one ended up in hell. But then what was interesting as well, Jesus says that uh, there was a chasm, there was a separating, there was a divide between heaven and hell. Right, And there was a clear difference between heaven and hell. And so once we die, and so it says there, um, when we die, you can't cross. So once you die, if you're in heaven, you can't then cross and go into hell. But then if you landed up in hell, you can't cross that divide and end up in heaven. This is a truth that we've got to get a hold of to realize that. So Lazarus is living the, the best life in heaven, and the rich man is not. He is not in the place he wants to be. And so the rich man will, will says, like, well, I've just wasted my life. I had everything that I could have ever wanted, but it was wasted because now I'm in this place of torture and torment. And then we see um, uh, Lazarus, and then he, so he, said, and he says to, like, Abraham, please send Lazarus back from the dead to warn my five brothers that they don't want to end up where I've ended up. Please go tell him to say, um, you've got to get your life right with God because where I'm at, you don't want to be at. And so, uh, and then this is when then Jesus gets really like harsh and then he goes, see this book here? See this Bible? This is what Abraham, sorry, says but from Jesus. Abraham says to the rich man, see this book about Moses, about the prophets? They all explain me. They all explain Jesus. And if you don't read and understand this, they're not going to listen to someone who raised from the dead, which is crazy. So Jesus is saying, this is the truth I've sent to you. This book is the, is the way that you can know about me. You don't need some man to raise from the dead or some woman to raise from the dead. You need to get a hold of the Bible and let it come alive to you. That's what we got to do. And so, oof, like that is, that is hectic. I would... I'd, because I often think, well, God, if you did a miracle, if you sent someone, if you raised up someone from the dead, surely my school would change. And Jesus is like, no, they just got to get hold of the Bible because that's all, all you need. So you don't need a miracle for, Bill, you don't need a miracle from God. You just got to get hold of your Bible. We've got to understand that. Ever, you don't need God to do some big miracle in your life. You just got to get hold of the word of God and that's what you need. That's, the, that's got the truth that we need to do life. And so the story is hectic. And so we as Christians don't believe in reincarnation. So reincarnation is this great idea where, um, where it's like, yeah, it's a great idea where we go, oh, we'll, oh we, 
we kind of lived half a good life, and so the next life, we'll live it better. Oh, then the next life, we'll live it better again. We don't believe as Christians in reincarnation. We believe that this life is your only shot. That's what we believe. So from the moment you are born to the moment you die, that is your only shot to make life count. And what is making life count is by making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. That's the only thing that counts. We see this rich man, he had everything that you could want. We might go, oh, if I could be like that rich man and have the best luxury, the best this and that. But then we realize he had everything, but he really had nothing. And then we see poor Lazarus, he had nothing, but he really had everything. Because on the scale of eternity, what matters is, is did we make Jesus the Lord of our life or not? And so this life counts. There is no second test. Your life is the only test. Will you go to heaven or will you not go to heaven? What choice is yours? The life that we live today will determine hell or heaven for us. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. You've got, to take, you've got to get that a hold in your heart. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. So we see that there's a chasm, there's a separation, there's a divide from heaven to hell. But then when we get, become Christians, like when, we, when, when we get awakened to Christ in our lives, we, we realise the chasm is separated on earth. Jesus came to deal with our sin so that when we die, we, we're no longer longing to pass a chasm. He passed a chasm for us. And that's why we've got to seek him now while we're alive that we don't miss out when we're dead. And so last days, cloudy with the chance of Jesus, ready on, that's what we spoke about last time. And so we realize that Jesus is coming back. He's going to come on the clouds. But now we've got to understand the next half is ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, Jesus is coming, and he's coming for us. And so we've got to ask ourselves, are we ready? Lazarus was ready, and then the rich man was not. And so, yeah, life isn't measured by the best food or dogs licking your sores. Life is measured by where you end up after. That's the measure of your life is. Are you with Jesus or are you not with Jesus? That's how we measure our life. And so when we talked about Calabi the Chance of Jesus, we saw the first half of Matthew chapter 24. And I promised that we're going to look at the second half today. And that's what we're going to do. And so um, the disciples talk to Jesus and say, well, explain to us what will happen in the last days. Explain to us what it's going to be like when you return. And so in Matthew 24, Jesus is telling him what it's going to be like. So from verse 32, Jesus says, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when, all these, all, when you see all these things, you can know his return is near, uh, right at the door. Jump to verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So some of us will be having a party. Some of us will be having the best of time and then Jesus will return. Some of us will have just won a grand final and Jesus will return. Two men will be working together, one in the field 
and one will be taken. The, uh, and so one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grounding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day, what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he wouldn't keep. Uh, wouldn't he keep watch? He would keep watch, sorry, and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expectant. A faithful, sensible servant is the one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his household, uh, other household servants, and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if, he find, if that servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place with hypocrites. Hi? Well, yeah, well, that's what it says. And then in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's hectic, as though. But that's what the master's going to do. He's going to come back and go, chick, chick, chick. You, you've, you've abused your life. And so we've got to understand of all of that, live ready. Don't be the one left behind. Because it says you could be walking with one of your best mates, but you the best mate that goes up or you're the one that stays behind. I don't want you to be the friend that stays behind. I want you to be the friend that goes up. You can't have a secondhand faith. This so clearly, oh, my friend here knows Jesus. Do you, need, do you know Jesus? Don't be the friend that gets left behind. Be the friend that goes up. And, if, and I love it. It says that, Jesus saying that, if, if you knew your house was being robbed, what would you do? Well, it's simple. We're going to put the alarm on. We're going to lock the door. We're going to get some guard dogs. We're going to have triple zero on my phone, ready to call the police and say, yo, cops, yep, the, the robbers are here. The thieves are here right now. Right? That's what we'll do if we were ready and expectant for the robber. But he says, but you don't know, so you've got to live prepared. You don't just have the front door open and go out to the shops and go, oh, well, hopefully the robber doesn't come today. No, we don't live like that. And he's saying, so don't do the same thing with your faith. Because there's going to come a time when Jesus, in a good way, is going to come and he's going to take you away. Don't be unprepared. Be ready to go, Jesus, if you're coming today, I am ready today. If you're coming tomorrow, I'm ready tomorrow. And I'm not just going to go, oh, well, when's it going to happen? No, we live in prepared because we want to go up when he comes. It, ready or not, Jesus is coming. And are you ready for his return? Last verse I want us to read is 2 Peter 3, 9 to 10. But we're going we're gonna, to... Um, jump from the last verse first and then go back to verse 9. So verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, right? So Jesus is going to come back. We've just read it. Is it to be, he's not here and then he's just like, got him, swipe or no swiping. Jesus comes and just takes us, right? Verse 9 then, then the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Wow. So that's what we've got to understand. That every day longer that Jesus doesn't return, it's because of that. It's not He's not delaying because he's like got something better to do. He wants as many people as possible to be in heaven with him. 
And so our job on earth is to be able to witness to as many friends as possible that, that we can reach our world, that we see heaven full and heaven plundered. That's why we exist on earth. That, yeah, Jesus has been patient for our sake to see our friends, our family, and our loved ones in the right place. So right now, I want us to pray one last time. And so I want, if you're writing notes, why don't you write down some of the family members in your life that you want, to know, you want them to know Jesus. There might be class people. There might be people that you go to the skate park with, people that you play sport with. There's, you know the names in your head. We're going to pray for them right now. And we're going to come to agreement with that Bible verse that Jesus isn't being slow. He's being patient that they would know Jesus like we do, that they're not the friend left. They're the friend that joins us on the catching away. Is that good? We're going to pray for that right now. So Holy Spirit right now, we, you see our friends' names. You see our mum's names, our dad's names. You created them. You, you, the, the person we walk to school with, the people that we catch the bus with. God, you planned them. You destined them. And God, we don't, want to be, we don't want them to be the friend that gets left behind. We want them to be a friend with real genuine faith that get caught up with you, with us. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, we just pray for our own assurance that we would, that we would understand that we know you, that, that you love us, that you died for us, that, that we have an understanding that uh, when, it doesn't matter how our life looks on the outside, when eternity comes, our life was a success because we ended up in the right banquet. We ended up in the right party. And so, God, if our life is ter- terrible like Lazarus, May we still understand that it's not terrible. It was the best because we actually met Jesus. We sought him while we could find him. But God, we just pray for our high schools. We pray for uh, the Port Lincoln High School. We pray for St. Joe's and we pray for Navigator. May those places be places of revival. May May those classes be classrooms of revival where our friends meet Jesus, where our friends know Jesus, where the Bible comes alive to them in a real radical way that those schools would never be the same again because you're at work that we be that would see that when the time comes for you to return that it that we'd see as many people as possible joining us with that party in your mighty name we pray and believe for them God that we'll see a breakthrough